back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 5, Episode 10. So I hope you had a great weekend. Did you watch the coronation? I watched the entire coronation on Italian TV, and I've got some of that to share with you in our surrounding sounds at the end of the episode today. I don't know, there's a whole bunch of people that feel a whole bunch of different ways about the coronation and King Charles and Camilla. I honestly am, have never been a big fan of Charles, but maybe it's because he's older, and maybe it's because he seems more like just kind of a curmudgeonly older man, and because I love the fact that he's a gardener, and they sort of call him the Gardener King. I've even written an article recently with uh, the Homes and Gardens magazine in London. And anyway, I've just gotten to know a little bit more about him. I've never been a very big fan of Camilla, but I have to say, if ever there were two people meant to be together, it would have to be Charles and Camilla. Now, here's the interesting thing about what Italians call King Charles. They don't call him Charles. They call him Carlo. Re Carlo. I don't know if they say Terzo or if they say... Tre. Re Carlo Tre. I don't know. Probably Terzo, but to have that royal family, that monarchy in place, it's just an interesting thing. And I'm kind of, maybe I'm getting older, more old fashioned. I don't know, but I kind of sort of like it. I'm not a very big fan of those California royals that are doing their thing off in California. I don't even get me started on that. That's just a personal thought, but. I watched the coronation on Italian TV because I just kind of love, well, first of all, it's great Italian practice, but also I really enjoyed seeing the perspective of Italians. And here you are watching this highly choreographed thing because Britain is so proper. They're so traditional, even though Italy is a traditional country as well. Britain is a is a traditional country in a different kind of way. They are so polished. The pomp and circumstance that they pull off in their grand ceremonies that they do, it's just really impressive. And what's really interesting to me is to watch that unfolding in front of you on TV with the chaos of the Italian commentators talking over each other, talking loud, and it's it's like perfect order being commentated on in kind of complete disorder, <laughs> which makes it kind of even more entertaining to watch because instead of that calm, sort of serene voice from someone on the BBC, it's just like this whole completely different scene. So that was really interesting to watch that. I actually rewatched parts of it on the BBC because I wanted to get some of that, some of that BBC commentary, the history and everything that they share with you that I didn't pick up on when I was watching the Italian version because they don't have all that same information, you know, in front of them and they're just sort of sharing some of their thoughts and and I'm curious what you thought if you watched it and I'm looking forward to sharing these sounds with you from the Italian's perspective of Great Britain. It's very interesting. There was also something really interesting where there was a group of people watching the coronation, a group of British people in Rome watching the coronation, and they interviewed one of these Brits, and he was speaking Italian, and his version of Italian is just... When, when when English speakers speak Italian, 
Sometimes it's like nails on a chalkboard to my own ears, which really makes me wonder, like, what in the world do I sound like when I speak this language? Because it's so important to me. And I've even told Vera, I'm like, I don't care if it takes me another five years to get really fluent. I just don't want to sound like Bongiorno, Molto Bene, like, oh God, that that English or American accent just makes me crazy. And part of it is because I've spent so much time in Italy now, I know what these words are supposed to sound like. It doesn't mean I can say them correctly. It doesn't mean I'm saying them like that. But I just, oh man, I just so badly don't want to sound like that when I talk. <laughs> anyway, so I've got also a clip of that English gentleman who was being interviewed and he was speaking and you'll be able to hear his he spoke beautifully i i would love to be able to speak as well as he spoke by the way but you can just hear his very very english accent coming through that is something i'll be looking forward to sharing with you at the end of this episode another thing i want to talk to you about today i know i'm always talking about how much time i'm spending working and projects i'm working on and all this stuff and I'm going to just tell you a little bit more about that and tell you how I got out of, sort of broke out of that a little bit and got out and did something for once in a long time. It's been a while since I've really done anything out in nature. And I didn't realize how much I was craving it. Now, granted, it's only been, we've only kind of in the past several weeks come out of winter. It's been quite cold here up until uh, just three or four weeks ago, but just getting out into some nice weather this weekend with my friend Mindy was so, so nice. And I have to thank Mindy for encouraging me because she found this place that I didn't even realize was so close to my house. It's just up in the mountains at the base of the Italian Alps. It's only 20 minutes away. So anyway, what a great weekend. But before I tell you what I did and where we went, I want to just share a little bit about what I've been working on and why I've been spending so much time in front of the computer and it's so goes against my grain and my nature and I'm just counting the days when I don't have to do so much of this. So I've got a website. I'm sure many of you have visited it. I'm sure some of you are have subscribed to my what used to be a weekly newsletter real news from Italy. Now, I don't have the time to do it every week because it's too much, but I do it every month still, and I will continue to do it every month. But also on that same website, which is All Roads Lead to Italy, that's kind of my main website that I'm going to be using for everything that I do here in Italy moving forward. Without boring you too much with details, I'm just going to give you a little bit of insight about what I've been doing why it's been so time consuming and a, a breakthrough that I had with it recently that I'm really, really excited about. So you all, I'm sure if you have a smartphone and I'm sure that nobody listening to this does not have a smartphone and I bet you, you're probably listening to me talk right now from your smartphone, whether you're driving, walking or at home cooking or doing something, wherever you are, you're probably listening to this on a smartphone. Well, We've all been programmed over the last 15 years or so since smartphones became a thing in right around 2010. So let's say 13 years. 
we have been programmed to use Google or to literally Google things. Google has become a verb and not just a noun. And so the act of Googling things is just simply looking things up online, typing something, typing a question in and having an answer pop up. Now, what you might not realize is every one of those answers is basically an article that has been written by a blogger or a writer or somebody somewhere, an editor, a publication, somewhere some, somebody took the time to research and answer that question for you. Now, why did they do that? Well, because what happens is Google rewards people. If your article that you write is written so well and it's search engine optimized, that means that it's using all the right keywords. It's using it's all using all the right structure. You're using the right format. You're using all of these little silly little details that you didn't realize were so important. Everything down to the font size, the spacing, everything, the, the, the layout of your article, but also the website that's connected to that article. So every time you find an answer, like let's just say you type in the American diet versus the Mediterranean diet, just into Google on your phone or whatever search engine you use, it doesn't have to be Google, you type in that phrase, Amer American diet versus Mediterranean diet. And all these different options will pop up and you read the article that you want, you get the answers that you want. Google now takes little clips, little snippets as what it's called, out of articles and posts them at the top of the search results. So you don't even have to click on any of the actual articles to read the full thing. You can just find a simple article. If it's something that you want to know more detailed information and it's not an easy thing to summarize, then you might have to click on the article and read it. Well, what I've been doing for the last several months, and especially these last five months that I've been by myself here in Italy, is I have been writing articles and optimizing them. I've got a special program that I use that tells me exactly how to write the article, not not how to write necessarily, but what to include in it as far as the other keywords, because it's not just that one main keyword phrase that you're writing about, but you're also writing about all these other keywords, and then you include all this stuff correctly, and you assemble the article the right way, everything comes together perfectly, then Google will reward you by putting your article on the front page of Google. Now, why do you want your article on the front page of Google? Well, because you want traffic to your website. And why do you want traffic to your website? Because when you get traffic to your website, you can monetize your website by having advertisements embedded into the articles. So whenever you read an article on your smartphone, you notice that there are articles embedded all over it. In fact, sometimes they can look very messy and it can be very annoying because there's so many embedded it's kind of messy and I kind of hate it, I'll be honest with you. But the nicer publications have those, those kind of discreetly placed advertisements embedded kind of nicely so they're not messy and you kind of, you can click on them or you can skip over them, but every time your eyes see one of those ads, whoever wrote that article and had that advertisement embedded in their article gets paid a little bit of money. Google AdSense is one of the main ones. There's Mediavine, there's all these other ones, but 
There are different ways once you have enough traffic visiting your website, you can start having basically everything you write start to pay you by just people reading your article. So that's been a huge portion of what I've been spending my time on. But that's only part of the equation. The other thing is you might be writing the best articles in the world, but your website needs to be telling Google also, I'm a high value website. I am a website with a lot of authority. And there's a term called domain authority. Your website, the name of your website, the domain of your website, mine is All Roads Lead to Italy, that's my, my site domain name. My website authority started out like any other website at a zero out of 100. So it's measured out of 100 points on this scale. And how do you get your website domain authority to go up? Well, you have other high domain authority websites linking back to your articles or to your website. Now, how do you do that? You do it by cultivating relationships with publishers, with news organizations, journalists, with just other high domain authority sites that are willing to link back to your site. So I have not only been writing all these articles and getting them just optimized perfectly with all these random keywords that have to be embedded into the article in a certain way, in a certain order, and a certain amount, and all this kind of craziness. Well, also, I've been, been being a source for a lot of other publications. If you follow me on social media, you might have noticed that I'm writing a lot for different things. I've done some things. I've written something for Martha Stewart, for uh, U.S. News and World Report, Architectural Digest. I do a lot of gardening stuff for homes and gardens online their magazine and every time i'm a source or every time i write an article for them they link back to my site that raises the domain authority of my website now have i lost you i hope not because i just want you to kind of understand the world i didn't understand the way any of this worked until i taught myself how it works now i am not a technological person by nature i don't really like screens. I don't like technology. I remember rotary phones. Like we had an old rotary phone in our house growing up. My grandparents had rotary phones in their houses until I was like a teenager. And you know, I I remember that technology. I remember our world without all this technology in it. And I have to say I don't I do not like this technology that we are in. I know that in, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of good things coming from it, but I don't really like the direction our our collective global society is going. And I don't like the way that we're being pushed forward. And I don't even think it's forward. I think in some ways it's we're being pushed backwards or we're just being pushed off track or whatever. It's not healthy. But here I am in caught up in it in the middle of it. So I'm writing articles and I'm also scrambling to write other articles for all these other publications. And after months, I've got my domain authority up to a certain level and I've got traffic coming into my site now. And the breakthrough that I mentioned a little bit earlier was that for the very first time, this is how long it takes for this process to actually start working and Google to start rewarding you, is just this past week. Three days ago, 
one of my articles, that specific article that I just mentioned, in fact, about the American diet versus the Mediterranean diet, that was on the first page of Google. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to you. That's a very big deal to me, and that's a very big deal to anybody who's writing any of these articles that you are doing Google searches and the answers are popping up because you don't know something. You know, the world of information is at our fingertips now, but believe it or not, that information has been coming from somebody somewhere writing this information for you. So now you know what I've been up to when I say I've been working a lot and spending a lot of time in front of the computer. And it's not really what I enjoy. There are times when I sit for so long that I actually have sciatic nerve pain. I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's terrible. And one of the worst things for it is sitting for a long time. And so I've been spending so many hours sitting. I've been spending way too much time inside. It's not been good for my eyes. It's not been good for my body. I've been walking a lot. You know, I go for walks and I do yoga in between. I get up and I try to move around. But sometimes I spend eight hours a day just in front of the computer, even with breaks. And it's terrible. And I haven't been out in nature since like February. That's the last time I went for like a real nature walk. I don't mean up to the castle here in the city, which is lovely. I mean, get outside of town and go to like the lake and walk around the lake. So that's, it's May. I haven't done anything out in nature since February and it was cold and it was winter and everything was dead. Well, my amazing friend Mindy was like, I found this place. It's like a place that has all these caves and everything. We should just go. And I'm like, yes. So yesterday we went. And I got to tell you, I have not. Well, first of all, I was just happy to be outside. I packed us a picnic lunch because I wasn't sure if there was anywhere around there, uh, you know, to eat. It ended up that there were, were some restaurants, but sometimes it's nice to just pack your own stuff. So I ran to the grocery store, grabbed a bunch of stuff, put together a really simple little picnic, some sandwiches and stuff, some prosciutto and some bufala mozzarella, some good bread. And anyway, I threw all that stuff, drove and picked up Mindy, and off we went up to the mountains. And we, we had a nice little picnic by this little stream. It was so nice and just so good to be out in nature. And the birds were singing and everything was in bloom. It was just gorgeous and everything was green because it had been raining. And then after our picnic, we started walking through this area, which I didn't know. I hadn't seen pictures of it. I didn't know what it was. And I mean, it was like being transported into another dimension. I've never seen anything like this place. If you want to see what it looked like, you can go to my Instagram page, my personal Instagram page, Nathan Heinrich, and I just posted a video of this place. And I put in the captions that it was like finding Jurassic Park in the Italian Alps. And I have to say, it was just incredible. And it was like the best thing to do because I was I was filming. I love to film with my phone. I don't even have like a great camera. I'm going to be getting one, but I, I just use my, my phone on my iPhone and I just try to get interesting shots and then I try to stitch them together and make kind of like a little story out of it. So check out that video that I posted on my Instagram page. But it was just so good to be for hours just 
wandering through nature and all these little these little organisms and and these plants and this moss and and the water that drips down through these through these caves and these crevices and and all of the the calcite that builds up from the water sort of slowly dissolving the rocks and and there were maidenhair ferns i mean i love ferns i love shade gardens i love ferns i love moss and so there's all that stuff there was it was just a ferny mossy damp beautiful little oasis with so many waterfalls the name for cave in italy singular is grotta and so this place that we went which is just past conegliano only about 20 minutes in a little tiny village called fregona it's a place that a lot of locals don't even know about i've been here for two years i've never heard of this place you know when you live in a place you sort of stop being curious about it the same way you know that's why there's a lot of people like in new york city for example that have never been to the top of the empire state building or out to see the statue of liberty you know you just live in an area you start to take it for granted and anyway but i was just thrilled to be out soaking up nature and it was just it just reminded me like i need to be better about getting myself out on a regular weekly basis even if it's just once a week get out into nature i don't have a garden right now you should see my balcony here it's completely covered in plants because i'm just so eager to grow things and in fact my mom had collected a bag of walnuts her father left her a ranch and uh, my dad who's a farmer he took that ranch that used to have almonds on it and he planted walnut trees and i asked my mom hey mom before they harvest the walnuts this year on grandpa's ranch can you just go and collect a bag of those walnuts? I want to grow some of those in Italy. And so she was like, sure, I'll be happy to do that for you. So she collected this whole bag of walnuts and she, I'm not sure if she brought them to me when she came and visited me in Tennessee or if she mailed them to me. Anyway, she got them to me and I've kept them in the refrigerator for the last however many months. I brought them back to Italy with me when I came in December. They've been sitting in the refrigerator and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to sprout any of these walnuts. But sure enough, I soaked them overnight. I gave each one of the nuts a little crack and put them in this little plastic container with, with a damp cloth underneath the radiator so it would stay warm. Because really, the only thing seeds need to germinate is moisture and darkness and a little bit of warmth. And so three of these little walnuts from my grandpa's ranch in california that my mom picked well it's now my mom's ranch my parents ranch i guess but so three of those little walnuts sprouted and they're growing out on my on my terrace here and i'm going to be able to plant them on my farm when i get it this year and i just i'm just that's the kind of stuff that excites me so see that's that's the kind of stuff that i get excited about so it's been so hard to not be spending time outside doing stuff. You get it. You understand what I'm saying. And if you have a job that keeps you cooped up inside all the time, you understand. I'm sure you can relate. Anyway, so 
Thank you, Mindy, for getting me out of the house this weekend. That was just really, really great. I needed that more than I realized, and it's reminding me I need to get out more. The thing I re- realized while I was out and about, though, is Italians really do not wear shorts unless they're at the beach. Mindy and I both were in shorts. I even told Mindy, I'm like, oh, it's a nice day. You should wear shorts. And we had our you know, our hiking shoes on and, and everything. And, and we're out wearing shorts and nobody else was wearing shorts. <laughs> Italians don't wear shorts unless they're at the beach, I think. I should have asked Veta about this. I'll ask her in another episode. If you want to really look like a non-Italian when you come and visit Italy, wear shorts and you will be able to easily be spotted as the tourist because the Italians aren't going to be wearing the shorts unless you're on a beach somewhere. Well, anyway, that's what I've been up to. That's something I wanted to share with you and just give you a little bit of insight about how I've been spending my time, why I'm always talking about being in front of the computer. Hopefully that didn't bore you to tears. Hopefully it maybe educated you a little bit about what happens when you type in one of your questions to Google. I mean, I do it multiple times a day. I'm asking, you know, Google questions. So maybe someday you'll ask a question to Google and you'll be able to click on one of my articles that was an answer to your question. Wouldn't that be amazing? If you want to check out my articles and go to my website at All Roads Lead to Italy, by the way, allroadsleadtoitaly.com. There's a spot where you can sign up so you can just be added. It doesn't cost anything. I'm not going to ever charge you anything for reading my articles but I'll add you to the mailing list and then I'll send you the real news from Italy every month and start sending out articles to you as well as I write them. Some articles might be interesting to you and some might not be because I'm writing them for Google still. I'm not able to choose all the articles I want to write about and the topics I want to write about, but occasionally I write about things that I really enjoy like how to set up an Italian garden. I wrote an article recently about that. An Italian, an Italian vegetable garden. So that was really great. So anyway, allroadsleadtoitaly.com is my website for kind of where I'm writing all these articles for my online Italian magazine. Of course, I'm moving to italy.com is the website for this podcast. So don't, I know it's kind of confusing, but anyway, that's, those are the two sites where I'm doing stuff. All right, well, that brings us to our next segment, which is Vera's segment. And she has a topic today, as usual, that is really fantastic. It's on a topic that she came up with. I love it when Vera chooses the topics, by the way. She chose this topic, and she talks about it in a way that is so, so great. And you're going to love it. So here is our weekly segment, La Vera Italia, with Vera Sarzano. Ciao, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, come va? Molto bene, grazie. Tu, come stai oggi? Anch'io benissimo. È arrivata la primavera, il primo sole, fa caldo. Siamo tutti bene. Ah, fantastico. Well, Vera, before we get into maybe if you have an Italian question for me today, I want you to really quickly share with us once again any of those of us who would like to buy you a coffee to thank you for being here today. How can we do that? Where do we go to buy you a coffee, Vera? 
Well, the best thing would be you come to Tuscany and we get a coffee together. Mm -hmm. All of you, that would be amazing, right? But yeah, thank you so much for saying this. Uh, we have a Buy Me A Coffee page, so you can either go to uh, buy me a coffee slash kike or on our website and you will find our buy me a coffee link and you can buy me one two three coffees whatever and i will drink it thinking of you and yeah i will have enough caffeine and energy to keep going and working because wow i wrote a lot for today you did and every single time we have an, a la vera italia segment you put so much work into it and everybody since you joined the podcast, all of the messages that I get about your segment, well, about the podcast, they always mention how much they appreciate your segment, Vera. And the reason that they love it is because you're giving us unfiltered things about Italy that we don't know, that we, there's no way I could know. As long as I live here in Italy, I'll still not have the understanding of the Italian culture and life that you have. But then you also, on top of all that knowledge that you've had for your entire life, you also do a lot of research to really sort of understand how to present it to us. How do you present it as a foreigner? How do you dissect something you've always understood that you've never had to put into words before because you just understand it? So anyway, all that to say is we owe you a lot more than just a coffee. But if anybody wants to buy Veda a coffee to say thank you, which I think is such a lovely ability, whoever started buy me a coffee is, is a genius because it's a very lovely gesture. So go to kikelanguage.com and follow the links to buy me a coffee. Thank you for taking a moment to share that with us, Vera. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm really so grateful for all of your listeners that reach out and said the nicest thing to me. It's really moving and touching. All right. So after buttering you up, did I get myself off the hook of an Italian question today? Nope. And I also happen to know that you had a couple of glasses of Prosecco for an aperitivo. Mm -hmm. Well, you live in the Prosecco Valley, so that's what you should do. <laughs> and you know what they say, right? With wine, you can speak any language. So <laughs> I expect you to reply to my question like a real Italian, come un italiano vero. Mm -hmm. I should never tell you anything anymore because <laughs> it's going to come back to bite me. All right, let's hear what you've got, Vera. Nella tua vita hai raggiunto tanti traguardi. Qual è quello di cui sei più fiero? Excuse me? <laughs> Nella tua vita... Hai raggiunto tanti traguardi. Qual è quello di cui sei più fiero? All right. I think you asked me, in your life you have accomplished a number of things, and of those things, what are you the most proud of? Yes, that's my question for today. <laughs> wow, okay. That's a great question. That's putting me on the spot because I don't really like to talk about that kind of stuff. And I don't really know. I feel like the, the accomplishments, the greatest accomplishments are still in the future for me. Uh-huh. So I'm going to just say that. All right. Let's see if I can say this in Italian. I'm going to go nice and slow. In realtà, i 
traguardi più importanti per me sono ancora nel futuro. Ah, non vedo l'ora di scoprire quali sono. Ok, anche io. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what these accomplishments are, right? Yes, and I said, me too. <laughs> All right, Vera. And you? What is your answer to this question? Yes, right. I always forget this part. So yeah, this is, yeah, when it turns around, it's not so great, is it? Well, my greatest accomplishment was being discovered by this amazing podcaster who wanted me in his I'm moving to Italy podcast as a guest. Actually, I think my biggest accomplishment so far, so far, was becoming a literary translator so translating novels translating books because um publishers and finding work in this world in this field it's really really difficult when i decided i wanted to give it a try obviously i searched all kind of information online and you know talk to people and Every single person said the same thing. It's really difficult. It's almost impossible. Just give up. You can translate documents, you can translate websites, but books like novels, literature, that's impossible. There are like maybe 50, 100 literary translators top in Italy. And I became one of those. Bravissima. Yeah, seeing my name on a book, that was probably the biggest accomplishment. That's a big one. Bravo. Well, we would say bravo to you in the United States, but of course, in Italy, we would say brava. Grazie. Or bravissima. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. That's a great answer. Well, thank you, Vera. And I'm going to turn it over to you now so you can share with us this really, really great topic that you have prepared for us today. Well, we haven't talked about one of the most iconic, you know, ideas about Italy, and that is family. This loud and large Italian families, you know, uh, very close, Italians are very close to their families and they meet every Sunday for lunch, the famous pranzo della domenica, right? Sunday lunch. And you can almost picture them, right? All the men watching soccer and screaming and moving their hands and the women cooking and the children playing outside. And then of course the big Italian weddings and big parties and big celebrations all the time. And if we usually spend a couple of hours a day having lunch or dinner, that is the whole day, right? From 12 to 6 or 7 p.m. just for a wedding lunch or whatever. And these Italian moms being Italian moms and the fathers being kind of jealous and proud. So that, that's how the Italian family is pictured around the world, pretty much. Now, some things are true and some things are not true, obviously. And some were true and are no longer true now because, yeah, things change, obviously. But I would say that, yeah, probably that is not 
that crazy idea that you have about Italian families. It's pretty much like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm talking average, obviously. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of families and um, new traditions, and it doesn't apply to every single Italian, but I'm talking average. And I really, while taking my notes for today, I really thought about my relatives, so my family, my friends, what they do, what they say, so that uh, I can really give you sort of a, yeah, an average, an idea, right? Well, first of all, let's talk about traditional roles because Italy is a traditional country, or at least that's what most people think, and probably it is pretty traditional still. There are, once again, but you already know this at this point, many differences between the North and the South, once again, and between city and countryside. So even in the countryside, in the north or in the center, it can be a little bit more traditional compared to a city in the south. Mm -hmm. But the south is more traditional than the center and the north. So it depends on these two uh, key factors. Location, so north and south, and big city versus small village. Now, even today and even in the south, most men can cook and do cook very well not all of them my husband cannot cook but that's not because he's traditional he's because he's not good at doing anything he's not creative <laughs> <laughs> so most men can cook cooking is something very very italian and obviously they can do house chores and so on but if i really have to be honest most women don't want them to they don't want their husbands, their boyfriends to cook and clean. I know. There's this friend of mine, she works, her husband works. They have a daughter and, you know, you have to take them to them. I mean, they both work full time and so on. And we were talking and she was like, yeah, I'm so happy we're here tonight having dinner. But this morning I didn't have the time to cook dinner for Michele, that's her husband. Oh, povero Michele, povero Miki, povero Miki. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's one night. Yeah, but povero Miki. And I'm like, so you were not povera, you know, poor thing. If you had if you had woken up one hour earlier this morning to cook dinner for one night. Yeah, but you know, and it's all like this, you know, every time. And it's not only her, I'm just talking about her because this sentence, povero Miki, yeah, every time I see my husband with a vacuum cleaner, I say, povero Miki. Now it's kind of an inside joke. <laughs> but we are talking about someone from the North 2023, you see? And it's like, you know, you don't, men can do it, of course, but why should they? This is sort of the idea. In some cases, it's because, not only because women want to serve men, but also because women in Italy are very particular about the way they want their house cleaned or they want their clothes ironed and obviously men they never get things right <laughs> no just kidding obviously but you know it's it's true it's like yeah why should i ask my husband and this is also a sentence i hear a lot to i don't know clean the kitchen if then I go there the next morning and, oh, my God, I have to do it all over again because 
I don't know, it's not perfect. So Italian women usually care a lot about everything being spotless or anyway, being done the way they want it to be done. And that's why they prefer to do everything themselves. But obviously, once again, society has changed and in most households, uh, both men and women work, maybe full-time jobs. And women also take on all the house chores and most of the cooking and taking care of the kids. So they end up so tired and stressed, obviously, and probably they, they should let go a little bit. Now, I'm a woman and I'm Italian. You probably notice I keep saying they, 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 because yeah, that's on me, luckily. I don't care how the kitchen is clean as long as it's clean and it's my husband cleaning it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I, I have better things to do, you know, I'm here recording, so yeah. No, I'm just kidding, but yeah, most most families, that's, that, that's probably what happens a lot. And speaking of women, obviously we have Italian moms. Now, being a mother in Italy has always been like, I don't know, like this big accomplishment that only Italian women can do in the best possible way. There was even a commercial, and I'm talking about 50 years ago or something before I was even born, uh, that was il modo italiano di essere mamma. So the Italian way of being a mom, like only Italian moms can do this. And well, it's, it's the same thing that happens with their husbands or the men in their family. It's basically spoiling their children and, you know, doing everything for them and worrying for them. But being so attentive and present and the most asked question by Italian moms is, Hai mangiato? Vieni, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want something to eat? Mm -hmm. Vuoi mangiare? Vieni, mangia qualcosa. Ti vedo sciupato, I see you. You're a little too thin, you. Poor thing, eat something, eat something, eat well. Eat now, eat. When are you coming home? What time should lunch be ready? So that's their first worry. And then obviously all this, don't sweat, typical Italian. <laughs> don't take cold, that's how we say, <laughs> get outside with clothes that are not warm enough. So you, you really be in the cold there and that's not good for your health, right? And all these sort of things, but they spoil their kids, especially boys. We have to say that, especially boys. <laughs> And so, like, I have this friend, so that you understand the, the worrying and the spoiling. I have this friend, she's in her late 30s, and her husband often travels for work, and he's away for a couple of days, maybe three or four, no more than that, and then he comes back, and so her parents, I mean, they're like, why would you sleep all alone in that big house? Why don't you come here and sleep here in your old bedroom? It's still like you left it. Well, 
I would say 20 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, but you know, obviously just a few years ago before she got married, because that's what Italians do, right? But still, you know, your childhood bedroom. And she does. And she does because you say, yeah, you know what? I worked all day, I'm tired. So I get there and I have my bed already made mm -hmm. and my mom cooking for me and my dad talking to me and telling me all these stories and my sister's there. Maybe my brother comes and visit because we are all there and I don't need to, you know, wash the dishes after dinner. I don't, I just sit there mm -hmm. and my mom does everything. See what I mean? Spoiling like it sounds wonderful. And I think everybody listening to this is wishing that they had their own personal Italian mother to go home to. No, I mean, it's great. And if you do it like once, but if you're in your late thirties, you live on your own with your husband and your parents don't want you to sleep alone and put you in your childhood bed, probably with Barbie, blanket or sheet i don't know it's just so too much i think now do you think that that is because she's a girl probably the sleeping alone part mm -hmm. but with uh, a a boy with a man probably they would be like come here and have dinner you can't cook on your own you you don't know how to cook so maybe not the sleeping part but the eating part okay got it <laughs> You have both things. And even my mom, you know, I lived uh, with her, so just the two of us, until I was 20, 20 or 21, yes. And she worked back then. She used to work, and I used to go to school and study and university for the first two years. And we both had busy days, but I was studying. She was working, and now that I'm a little bit older, I know what that means. And well, when sometimes I went to the supermarket or I made dinner and she got not all the time, sometimes because I'm still Italian and she would get home and say, oh, you poor thing. Why did you cook dinner for us? You studied all day. If you're tired, why don't you just go and watch TV or, you know, go out, get an aperitivo with your friends, and when you get home, dinner will be ready. And I'm like, because you worked all day, and today I made you dinner. But you see how moms are? I'm like, yeah, I woke up at 10. I sort of pretending to study an hour or two, and then I went out, had a coffee with my friends, came back home and studied a little bit. <laughs> yes, I was in the mood for making dinner for you tonight. But still, moms are moms. And the overprotective part, per se, is not that terrible, but it actually is if you think about teenagers, okay? They're not allowed to experience anything. You don't have young people get a job in the summer, summer job, for example. You know, those sort of jobs like delivering newspapers in the morning or mowing your neighbor's lawn. No, they're not allowed to because Italian moms see their teenagers and even kids in the early 20s and early 30s and probably early 40s still as kids, as babies. So an Italian mother would never allow a young kid, and I'm talking about teenagers here, to wake up earlier in the morning, 
poor thing and go and deliver newspapers, right? It's not a thing in Italy to deliver newspapers, but you get the idea, right? Could they deliver bread, fresh bread. And they would never, Italian moms and Italian women would never let a baby, like a teenager, babysit their younger children. So there's no such a thing as a young babysitter in Italy. They're all in their 20s and older. Oh, really? So what about even in families? Even in families, yeah. So teenagers are not left alone with their younger siblings? Okay, with siblings, maybe, but the older siblings should be, at, well, for a girl, maybe 13. For a boy, we don't trust boys with kids. That's sort of another concept, like traditional concept. Babysitters are girls, uh, maybe 15 or 16. I have two nephews, they're in their 20s now. And I remember my sister-in-law saying, we went out Saturday because we needed to buy a big TV. The kids couldn't come. And so we left them home because TV wouldn't fit in the car if the kids were there. So just my husband and I went and bought this huge TV, uh, but we left the kids home, but we told them, don't move from here. Just stay on the couch. The floor is lava, okay? Mm -hmm. You have to stay on the couch. We'll be go and back. You watch a movie, whatever you want to do. You have your video games. The floor is lava. Mm -hmm. You can only go to the bathroom if you really, really need to. Two children back then were 11 and 13. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow was my reaction to I mean, when I was 13, I was studying abroad in Malta alone, but. <laughs> <laughs> you were studying abroad in Malta? Yeah. When I was 13, it was, uh, yeah, the summer between seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I saw um, a flyer saying that my town or my city uh, was organizing English courses in Malta for the summer for four weeks. And from for kids aged 14 to 18. And I was like, I really want to do this. And I tried and I called. My mom didn't know this. I called and I said, I'm 13. I'm going to turn 14 eventually, but not yet. <laughs> but I really want to do this. Can I come? And I'm like, yeah, sure, if your parents are, want you to. But, you know, it's English. You're going to go to school. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, yeah, so then I convinced my mom, and she let me. Well, we sure are glad that she did and that you wanted to do that because that led you to this moment of being here right now. What? What an interesting thing that you've always been so fascinated by languages and you've always loved them, haven't you? Yes, I have. I I hadn't even realized it that back then, but I already love languages and well, I'll tell you everything about it in another segment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, at 13, I was, well, with a group of kids and two adults that were taking all the kids, you know. But still, yeah, on my own on holidays. But now they had to play the floor is lava at 11 and 13. 
So you see here, very, very protected. And families mm -hmm, are smaller today compared to a few decades ago. A lot of people, first of all, they're just single or divorced with no kids or maybe one, two kids talk, I will say. There are almost no more families with three or four kids. That's really the exception. So this is happening in most Western countries, I would say, not just Italy, obviously. There's a decline in a decrease in natality rate, but probably in Italy, there's also the fact that having a kid is a lot of work, having a baby, and you don't trust your older children, so their siblings, to take care of younger babies. You have to rely on your nonnies, something we do here a lot in, here in Italy. So you don't hire babysitters, but you uh, leave the kids with your with your parents, so their grandparents. But things have changed even for them. So my grandparents, usually the women had never worked or had stopped working when they were very young and men were already retired. Now their retirement age increase, so men are working until they are 72. So even grandparents don't have time to take care of their grandkids as their parents wish they could. So you see, it's a lot more complicated. There are a lot of factors um, in, but still, families are smaller than that. But I'm talking about your nuclear family, so like your close family, parents, husbands and wives and kids. Because, in fact, Italian families look bigger than they are because they all live in the same town. They all live in the same village. There's no such a thing as moving to the other side of the country like you do in the United States a lot. Some Italians, or I could even say like half of Italians when they start university, they decided to study um, in a different city, but then they come back. So it's just for university, so your college, and then they come back home with mom and dad and your tiny, tiny bed in your tiny, tiny bedroom until you get married. So what happens? Nobody moves unless they really need to and unless they are looking for a job somewhere. So they all stay not only in the same region or area, but in the same village, okay? And I'm talking about 3,000 people village. I'm not kidding. Now, uh, five years ago, I think, yeah, my cousin, my younger cousin got married. Ciao, Sara. Hope you're not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> she got married. Uh, the mayor of Cassinetta, so the town where she was born and had lived her whole life, um, was the um, officiant. Yep. Thank you. So, and there was uh, her husband uh, to be, Giovanni, who's from, so who was born and has always lived in Robecco. I wrote this down because this is one of my searches. Three point four kilometers away from Cassinetta. That is 
if you don't know kilometers, 10 minutes ride if you're biking there and two minutes by car. Okay, yeah, that's it's like it's like just a little over one mile. Yes, you can walk there. Okay, just want to take a half an hour or an hour, you can walk there. Okay, so we were all there, wedding. She was so beautiful, the white dress and everything. And the mayor said, I know I've known Sarah, Sarah, since the day she was born. I'm so excited and I'm so proud of her. Look at her here on her wedding day. And I'm so proud of her because she's so brave. She's doing something really generous because she's so in love with Giovanni here. She's moving to Rebecca to live with him. I swear, I wish I was recording the whole wedding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that that that's a thing. That's a thing that happened. And when my now husband um and I moved to Tuscany 15 years ago from the north, everyone was like, well, fam our families are a little bit different, especially mine, but they were like, are you sure you want to do this? Okay, but they, they all thought we would be back after six months. And people here were like, oh, you move here? Do you know someone here? We're like, no. Do you have a job here? No. And, and th they didn't know what to say. They were like, so why are you here? like because we like it <laughs> because Tuscan is amazing because we don't like Milan anymore and they just stared at us and they were like oh wow you're so brave the word brave came out like a million times okay what is that word in Italian coraggiosi 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 yeah like from courage right you yeah. were you were so brave you were so brave and we were like no, we didn't like where we lived and we want to, you know, live in a nice place. We think it's kind of crazy and reckless, not brave, but, you know, just, just doing something we want. And still today, people are like, we can't believe you're still here and now you're part of the community. We thought, yeah, we gave you six months, tops, because it's like, what are they doing here without their families, without anyone? It's just the the two of them. So that's how Italian <laughs> see things. Now, as you probably know, there are a lot of people moving, okay? But because they need to, because they uh, have a job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And especially a few decades ago, but even now, there are a lot of young people moving from the South to the north because you find more jobs in the north mm -hmm. and even better salaries probably and better opportunities in general but there's a reason so the family can accept this and it's seen as a huge sacrifice they're doing and these people usually always go back so go back to the south uh christmas uh easter any holiday and summer and whenever they can because that's their place and i know people that have been living here in tuscany from the south who've been living here in tuscany for 15 20 even 30 years and say oh i'm going home this weekend 
where home is Sicily or Naples or whatever, you know, in the South. And this is just so crazy to me because when I go up north, I say I go and visit my parents, visit my family. Home is where I am, not where I'm from, but once again, maybe it's me. So what happens? We were saying, sorry, sort of got out of my way here, that Italian families are very, very close. Mm -hmm. Also because they live together. Even when kids get married and finally leave the nest, they're just one branch, branch away. So that their nest is just the one next to it. And so they always come back and they spend all their time together and they go back to their parents every single Sunday. And then you have all the uncles and aunts and cousins all living in the same town. So yeah, I think that sometimes it's even a, like a morbid relationship with your family. It's okay to be close to your family. It's okay, obviously, to love your family, but that's a little bit too much my opinion because sometimes it's like an obligation it's not something you really want to do but you have to do otherwise your relatives could yeah get mad or even get offended like you know weddings are a big thing and if you don't go to your third cousin wedding then the whole family won't talk to you and the next generations and it's just crazy and especially once again in the south where some traditions are stronger but even in the north, I would say. Um, for weddings, we give like bomboniere, it's like wedding favors, but with confetti, so the candies. And it's usually a little object, a little something that uh, your guests can keep. Now, usually it's something you can use, I don't know, or a keychain, a corkscrew, a little figurine and you have to keep them in your house and you need to have them like, you know, we have those kind of furniture with the glass, you know, the glass. Yeah, you have one right there, I can see it. Do you have bomboniere in there? Of course yes. you do. Yes. If the cousin who got married 25 years ago comes and visit you, and they do because they live 30 seconds away from you, and they don't see the wedding favor they gave you, they get offended. It has to be there. So you see when I say it's kind of too much, like an obligation. Now, speaking of friends that come from the South, there's this guy I know, he's in his early 30. He's from Sicily originally, but lives here in Siena. And his parents came for a full month to visit him. I mean, they. He's living in a small apartment, so they rented an Airbnb and said, we're going to stay here for one month. And I said, well, that's great. You never get to see your parents. They're here for a month. Amazing. My parents do that, too, sometimes in the summer. They rent a nice house with a swimming pool. I love it because I go there. Anyway, he works a full-time job, kind of stressful, and for 30 days straight, lunch and dinner, he went to this Airbnb where his parents were and had lunch and dinner with them every single day for 30 days straight because, and I was like, 
but you, look at you, you're tired, you're stressed, you need, I mean, after eight hours of work, and then you park the car, you walk, because in Siena, you can't drive in the center, so you park your car, you walk for 20 minutes to their place, have dinner with them, and then your car, your house again, and then in the morning, everything like lunch, and lunch break, it's only two, only, I mean, for Italians, but still only two hours, and it takes you one hour total, back and forth, and then you have to rush your lunch with them why because i only see them once a year yeah but for a month i mean they're here for a month see what i mean he was not happy i mean he loves his parents but i think that even if he skipped one day it's not a problem right and then he's more relaxed but no you cannot because they're here to see me so i have to stay with them lunch and dinner every day for 30 days straight so yeah, welcome to Italy. <laughs> well, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's because I haven't been around my family much or it's because I'm kind of a bit homesick for some of my family and and you know, that's kind of normal I think when you move to Italy and you stay here and you may only are able to get home once a year. But the idea of seeing my family every day for 30 days and having lunch with them every day for 30 days, actually at this point sounds kind of nice. But I can see your perspective because it's it's very, like you said, it's very common for people, especially in the United States, to move for work across the country to another state or whatever. And then to see their family a few times a year but that what you just described about a family coming and staying for a month and seeing them every day two meals a day every month every, every, for, for one month that really is the extreme italian family version of what happens when you move away from your family they're gonna make sure that they don't lose connection with you and i think that that is at the heart of what so many of us foreigners kind of love about what we see about the Italian family because every single family has its drama and its problems, even the really happy families that seem like everything's perfect, it's not. But I think in our heart of hearts, most of us really do want to be close to our families and we don't, we want our families to not have drama. We want everything to be, we want everyone to get along. We want to have something we can look forward to every Sunday where everybody gets together. Like I miss that so much. And that is one of the few downsides about living in Italy is to not have that kind of family connection. But, but as much as we admire it, in Italians, I I don't know if this happens in Italy, but it doesn't seem like a family will just adopt you in Italy. An Italian family is kind of a closed loop. And while I do feel adopted by you and Luca, which is lovely, <laughs> and I do have Italian family here and feel very adopted by them, I don't know that just anyone from any country moving to Italy, unless they're very fortunate, is going to necessarily be adopted by an Italian family. So it's this thing where 
it's almost like window shopping in a beautiful district of shops and you just love walking through that area every day on the same walk because you just love looking at the windows but you're never allowed inside any of those shops to buy anything like it's almost a tease it's almost too it's so beautiful and it's almost torturous because you can see it but you can't really take part in it and so i wonder i wonder how many of us think in our minds or never maybe don't really think through well yeah it's really beautiful for an italian family but you're not in an italian family so you better figure out something else for yourself well if it's any consolation it's not you moving to italy because you're foreigners it's just because you're not part of the family uh so luke and i moved to tuscany just the two of us we had no family here no relations with anyone and we still don't i mean we have friends we talk to people but nobody adopted us we are not part of any family because we are not that's simply it even if we are italian and there are other people from the north here too so it's not just because we are from the north or from a different area it's just that we are not part of that family because family is tradition and it's been this way for generations and we don't even bond with our in-laws that much. So even when they are family, still it's the other side of the family. So you don't like it. <laughs> and, and they don't like you. I mean, maybe they do like you, but you're different. You have different traditions and so on. So yeah, it's, it's really just your family. And there's a lot of family drama, trust me. Because you have no idea how many times I hear sentences like, Oh, yeah, we had to invite the aunt or remember when that time and we don't like her, but we have to and it's our end on, you know, this sort of things and even fighting and not speaking, but then we are all together and pretend. Because another key factor of Italian families is that there are no boundaries, okay? no boundaries at all. And I'm talking about physical boundaries more than emotional boundaries. I don't like once again it's mindful so traditionally big families right small houses you've seen Italy or pictures of Italy we don't have what a huge houses so that's what still happens maybe a family of four uh, small house two bedrooms and one bathroom so obviously people are doing this and they talk about things that should be private, or at least I think so, like, I don't know, stomach issues, hemorrhoids. There's the famous menstruation cake, like the first time a girl gets her period, the mom bakes a cake and tells the whole family. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is? I mean, not that it's nothing embarrassing about having a period, obviously, but think of this 11, 12, 13 year old girl and the mom said, uncles, cousins, let's make a cake. She got her period. That happens here in Italy? Not to me, luckily, but it does. Yeah, I do a few family where that happens. Well, I don't know. I, I think that still, those of us, I know you're looking at it from the inside and things always look different from the inside rather than from the outside. I just think that so many of us think that open dialogue and airing stuff out 
in spite of the drama, there's something to that that I think is healthy because I know that Italians can freeze each other out better than anybody. I mean, I've never seen anybody cut anybody else off the way Italians can cut people off. So it's almost like they love very deeply and they're very, very connected. But if something goes haywire and something gets a little bit messed up, the like the grudges that are held are held so firmly for like like you mentioned generations not only do you stop talking to them but you stop talking to their kids your kids don't talk to their kids i mean it's like it's deep when when it's when there's a blowout it's like a major blowout right yeah and it has always been this way i don't know if you remember montecchi capuletti Montagues and Capulets, Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. That was said in Italy for a reason, right? Yeah. Family yeah. for generations and generations and generations. Yeah, it's it's interesting perspective, and it's really interesting to hear your thoughts on the topic. So, what do Italians think about foreigners moving to not just their country but to their own city? Do they think that, you know, you mentioned that you are an Italian who moved from the north down to Tuscany. What do you, th what do you think they think about foreigners moving into their country with no family, with nobody? That you're crazy. But you know what? They don't care. Not that they don't care about you, then if they get to know you, they even become friends maybe. But you are a foreigner. We don't know what to do. You're just weird. You're just different. It's like, yeah, do whatever. You know, those foreigners, they buy houses and they come here. And who knows what they do for a job for a living? Because these sort of things. But they don't think they're crazy in a bad way. It's just that they're different. And it's another world. And it's, it's like window shopping. OK, yes, in Italy, we have Italians. And then we have all these foreigners. That sometimes show up mm -hmm, and live here maybe forever maybe just for a few months a year and then go back and oh yeah remember you, you were here last year and that's it we don't judge you in any way you know yeah so it's just mainly like they don't understand your perspective they don't understand where you're coming from so they have no point of reference to know what's going on with you yeah we're not trying to make it sound like you're going to move into a town and you're not going to connect with your Italian neighbors and not be invited to their house. I mean, I think that if you learn to speak Italian and you make efforts to be friendly and you are a good neighbor, you're you're probably going to end up having a good friend in an Italian. Yeah, absolutely. But this is just one person or maybe one couple or one little family, maybe your age, maybe they have kids or whatever, but a tiny family. You want to be part of their extended family. So you won't be probably, you won't be invited to their Christmases with a whole family or their weddings with a whole family. But of course you'll find friends. That's, but even though you have to make an effort because we mentioned this before, we don't see foreigners. Okay, you're here, who cares? You really have to be the first to make an effort and ask Italians, would you like to go out tonight? 
like you have to try to bond with them. Can I offer you a coffee? That's something. Actually, buying a coffee should have been invented by an Italian because it's like, no, no, through you, yeah. But you'll find friends. It's really hard to become part of the family. Good to know. That's a good, good, healthy bit of perspective, a good, healthy bit of reality to keep us grounded and to have our expectations in line with reality rather than what we want things to be. And I think that's one of the most important things about having these kind of discussions with you, Vera. And, you know, there's family drama everywhere in the world, obviously. That's not typically Italian, but Italians can do it in a different way. And if you really want to understand Italian families a little bit better, there's a movie you have to watch, absolutely. It's pretty old now, but doesn't matter because it's still very, very modern and up-to-date and could yeah, it's perfect. It's from 1992, and it's called Parenti Serpenti. Parenti Serpenti. So Parenti is relatives, okay? and Serpenti is snakes. Hmm. <laughs> and it's so funny, but at the same time, so sad, and it's so true, and it's so perfect, and it's like, a cult movie. You really need to watch Parentis and Painting if you want to understand something more about Italian families. I'm pretty sure you'll find it with uh, English subtitles or probably even in other languages because it's one of the best movies about Italian families. And well, there's just one tiny exaggeration in that because it's a movie, but the whole concept is just so real. I want you to watch it and tell me what you think. I will. Parenti Serpenti. Sí, Parenti Serpenti. Okay, I'm going to definitely watch that and I'll let you know. Well, thank you so much, Veda. This has been fantastic as always. We appreciate you so much. Don't forget, you can visit kikelanguage.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-H-E language.com. Or you can go to imovingtoitaly.com for links to Veda's website. I've already bought Veda a coffee because nobody owes her a coffee more than I do. But I'm going to be seeing Veda in a couple weeks. And I'm, going to, I'm really looking forward to being able to buy her a coffee in person because that will be the best thing ever. No, tocca a me. Tu hai già offerto il caffè su buy me a coffee. No, 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 no. Assolutamente no, Veda. No, 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 no. Io, io. You just passed your C1 Italian level exam. I'll buy, no, I'll buy, no, it's on me, no, it's on me. That's the most Italian thing you can do. Oh, I love it. That's so great. Well, thanks again, Vera. I really appreciate you so much. And I look forward to being back here with you again next week. Thank you. Ciao a tutti. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Thank you, Vera. That was wonderful. I really appreciate that. Understanding about how the Italian family works here in Italy really is important if you're planning to move to Italy, or even if you're just visiting Italy, but especially if you're planning to move here. But even if you're not planning a trip to move to Italy, 
or you're not even planning to move. It's still interesting, isn't it? I find it fascinating. Well, thank you so much again, Vera. I really appreciate that. Don't forget, if you need an Italian language coach, Vera is my personal Italian language coach. Visit her website, kikelanguage.com. She is fantastic, and she won't be available forever because she's very busy, but you still can. As of right now, May of 2023, she still has availability. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds. I want to take just a few seconds to thank our sponsors for this podcast. Babbel Language is the absolute best language learning app by far. I've tried them all. I'm going to tell you Babbel Language is the best. When you sign up for a lifetime package, you get access to all of their languages for life. You just pay once and you never have to pay again. You have access to countless languages. No matter what language you want to learn, it's very, very likely that they have that language. Babbel has all the main languages on their program and they've got so many different ways to learn. It's amazing. You get 55 to 60% off, depending on what deals they use. When you use the links on the website, imovingtoitaly.com. So thank you, Babbel Language, for sponsoring us. Also, thank you to ExpressVPN. I've told you about them for a couple years now, but it's still just as relevant today as it was when I first told you about them. I've been using them before they were ever sponsoring this podcast, and I have to tell you, They are a fantastic service. I use them every single day. They protect you. They allow you to do things in Italy or while you're traveling anywhere in the world that just makes you safer. It makes everything more convenient. It allows your phone to think that it's still back in your home country or wherever you want it to be. You can trick your phone into thinking that it's in Italy and then you have access to content that you wouldn't have access to in Italy. You get it on five devices. So you buy this and your spouse, your kids, on your computer, your your tablet, your phone, whatever, you can use it. So check out imovingtoitaly.com, click on the links for ExpressVPN, and you get three months free when you sign up for one year. Thank you, ExpressVPN, for sponsoring us today. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for today. I've already told you what they are. Sounds from the coronation from Italian television. Just general commentary about the day. I've also got that interview of that English guy that was in Rome with that group of people watching the coronation. They were a bunch of people from England, Great Britain, and he was interviewed and he he obviously talks. He's speaking in Italian. He does a great job, but you get to hear his very, very English accent in Italian. It's very interesting. So Enjoy the surrounding sounds. I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Ricordiamoci che un titolo solo lei, cioè questo titolo gliel'ha concesso sua mamma, 
Ecco, questo invece è un principio Edoardo, il più piccolo della famiglia Winter, che eh, con sua moglie sono i neo duchi Duca di Gloucester con la moglie. Questo è il, il, il cugino di primo grado della regina Elisabetta. Cioè sono, sono tra i più vicini, appunto. Sì, famiglia. perché sono figli, di, cioè i loro padri erano fratelli.
così toccante, così emozionante, un misto di tradizioni, ma anche aspetti più moderni. Ambasciatore, noi sappiamo dell'importanza dei rapporti tra il Regno Unito e l'Italia. C'è secondo lei qualcosa che in particolare anche lega il re all'Italia? Vediamo che quanta gente c'è oggi. Il, il re ha tanti legami con l'Italia. Il re uh, ama l'Italia come um, abbiamo visto ieri quando era davanti al palazzo di, di Buckingham e un giornalista um, uh, italiano ha fatto una domanda Um, se amasse uh, l'Italia e lui ha risposto immediatamente I do, I do, sì, sì, in, in inglese uh, ha fatto, credo, um, uh, uh, più o meno 20 visite qui in Italia ama l'Italia ecco c'è una domanda da studio eh, l'ambasciatore vi sente? come tutti noi britannici ecco, ah, ecco, proprio su questo ambasciatore, yeah. visto che che Re Carlo ama l'Italia, è venuto qui almeno 20 volte in viaggio, ci sa dire quando tornerà a far visita in Italia Re Carlo III? Adesso da Re? No, è una bella domanda, um, uh, non posso dire ma spero um, che sarà possibile e come ho detto lui ha tanti legami qui, tanti legami con, con l'Italia, tanti l'amicizia come noi tutti britannici abbiamo per il bel paese. Ecco, legata, grazie, se non avete altre domande vi restituirei la linea, vi ringrazio anche, ringraziamo l'ambasciatore Norvjorin per essere stato con noi anche per una giornata molto intensa di impegni, grazie. Un giorno molto britannico ma senza la pioggia. Senza la pioggia, allora vedete con queste immagini vi lasciamo allora. Ecco, vi lasciamo grazie, il vostro le sostanze e anche gli impegni di entrare in ecco, attenzione, attenzione perché la folla acclama, l'applauso si è aperto il finestrone, adesso andrebbe, ecco il Carlo, Terzo e Camilla, re e regina che si presentano e salutano il loro popolo. Tutti i faggi. Eh sì. Mm. Il saluto di Re Carlo. La folla che è arrivata in sotto i cancelli di Buckingham Palace. Ecco tutti i nipoti. Andiamo a hanno, hanno scelto di, di portare i bambini, i nipoti. Vedete la piazza è piena, c'è stato un boato quando sono apparsi ed è effettivamente la formazione eh, snella, la formazione ristretta della famiglia, se vogliamo. La eh, formazione che è giovane, perché perché molto giovane, quindi come, come bambino effettivamente era un po' trapelata questa cosa il presente e il futuro della monarchia è una risposta sottile a chi pensa che si possa fare a meno di questa eh, istituzione centrale e storica della, della Gran Bretagna è una, una vera festa eh? è impressionante l'atmosfera la, che c'è qua per l'allegria la, per, per la gioia delle persone ecco adesso perché avete un po', un po più affollato eh, il balcone al centro eh, Carlo e Camilla, un re che ha aspettato tutta la vita per questo momento. E questa è la e risposta. Una, una donna, la, 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 sua, la regina, che non pensava certo di diventarlo. È una, è una storia, eh? è veramente è un momento molto particolare, un momento storico, come avete detto, la prima incoronazione da 70 anni. La gran parte delle persone che sono vive oggi non ha mai assistito a una cosa del genere. 
e questo insomma dice che tipo di passaggio è per, per il paese sicuramente ci siamo chiesti chi sarà su quel balcone e l'immagine che hai detto anche tu Natalia è di, una, di un messaggio che si vuole inviare che è quello di una monarchia giovane ai lati il futuro della monarchia come il principe William per esempio al centro vicino al re e alla regina i nipoti quindi il volto giovane di questa, di questa monarchia noi ci stiamo avviando verso la conclusione che me lo, me lo passa adesso in aria niente pollo perché il pollo era stato quello che invece aveva la I hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode. Thank you so much for coming back and sharing another week with me. I love being here with you, and I look forward to this every single Monday. If you'd like to write me a message, you can write me a message directly on Instagram, but you can also write me an email at imovingtoitalypodcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach me if you have a question about something or if you want to talk to me let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I love getting your messages. I hear from so many of you every week, and I one of my favorite things to do during the week is to read your messages and respond to you. So please, please write to me if you have anything you'd like to talk about. I love hearing from you. It is my pleasure to come here and share my adventures in Italy with you every week. It is so much fun to capture the surrounding sounds for you and and share this time with Vera together with you. It is just absolutely priceless. The thing that would make my day is if you are enjoying this podcast, especially if you've been listening to the podcast up until this point, five seasons, 110 episodes in total, If you have been enjoying this podcast and you listen on either Apple or Spotify or any other podcasting platform that allows you to leave a five-star review, if you could take a moment and just leave five stars on the podcast, just scroll all the way to the bottom of the podcasting platform where you're listening to or wherever it shows you the, the star rating, just add five stars. You can write a little something if you want. That'd be amazing, but you don't have to. Just putting five stars makes all the difference. We have thousands and thousands of weekly listeners, but only a few hundred reviews. And you don't need to write a review, just the five stars is all it takes. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I really appreciate that. My friend, wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.